Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to a Thursday afternoon edition of Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. We've been going through uh, a book on the Psalms called The Songs of Jesus by Timothy and Kathy Keller. Tim Keller, great writer about preaching and ministry, and he and his wife have collaborated on this nice book that's done that takes us through all of the book of Psalms throughout the year and uh, does it in a daily devotional style. We have uh, daily devotional books by Sarah Young, Jesus Calling, by Max Lucado, by uh, F. Lagarde Smith, the wonderful The Daily Bible that we used all last year. And, um, and so this year I've been looking at uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Adam Oswald Chambers on Tuesday, but on Thursdays we're going through the Psalms and I hope that you are enjoying the study I love the Psalms, one of my favorite books, and it is a, a great study to do at any time going through it on a daily Bible basis. If you have uh, 52 weeks in a year and you have 150 Psalms, then you know if you work through at least three of the Psalms each week, then you'll get there. That can present its problems because there are some Psalms, like some Psalm 117, the shortest one that only has a few verses. And some psalms, like Psalm 119, 119, that is the longest chapter in the Bible, and I think is like 176 verses. So if you're trying to get that one done, along with a few couple of others in one day or one week, that could possibly present a problem. But uh, it's great reading. The theme of that longest psalm in the Bible, uh, Psalm 119, is the Word of God. And uh, it's that word, I think, that... Uh, convicts us when we have sinned. And as we consider Psalm 51 today, that, that is the message. So hello to my cousin Gail and Keith, my cousin Keith Allen and Gail, uh, wonderful supporters of me and encouragers to me. I always smile when I think of you guys. Uh, my uh, other cousin over there in, in um, uh, the Southeast Texas area, Golden Triangle area, used to be in Buna. Yes, I remember that, Keith and Tracy, but Tracy and uh, uh, love them so much. Glad to glad to see all of y'all watching. Uh, Tracy and Elaine and, and Gail and Keith are great. And Eric and Cindy Mosley, my dear friends here, uh, love them so much. And Lenny and Joe Allard are actually watching today live. So what a great, great thing. I know there are others that watch. I, I, um, I hear from you every so often at church or even at a recent funeral um, service, there was a couple of folks that came up to me and said, hey, we don't ever say anything, but we watch you on your lessons online, and we really do appreciate that, and I do too. Thanks for praying for me. Um, speaking of prayer, um, Psalm 51 is, is, is an incredible, incredible statement of prayer. Um, it is, uh, according to the heading, this is what the heading says in Psalm 51. We've talked about the headings before, that they are not inspired, but they're probably accurate. And the best way to judge a context of a particular psalm is by reading it. When you read it, you can pretty much tell the context. Is the psalmist happy? Is he mad at God? Is he suffering? Is he crying out for deliverance? Uh, is he just a song of praise? Uh, and in Psalm 51, we certainly realize that the, uh, the content of the psalm fits uh, the, the description of the heading. And this is what it says at the beginning in the heading of Psalm 51. 
for the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And we do know that story from David's life, how uh, he um, saw Bathsheba and lusted after her and because he was king and because everyone else was off to war, perhaps where he should have been, who knows. But um, at any rate, he summons her and has his uh, men go get her and they bring her to him. And I do think that uh, Bathsheba could not say no in that situation. That's a whole nother discussion. She could have, and it would have cost her her life, and so obviously she could have done that, and perhaps that would have been the right thing to do, but maybe she tried, and it didn't matter because David was king, but he, um, he slept with her, and she sends word that she's pregnant, and David tries to get her husband, Uriah, who had been fighting for David uh, to come back and sleep with his wife, and he wouldn't do it. And he tried again a second night and still wouldn't do it because he was loyal to his men who were away from their wives. And so David sends him back with a sealed envelope with uh, orders to his commander, Joab, that says, um, I want you to put Uriah on the front lines and then when the fighting is the worst, have everybody pull back. And so basically Uriah was killed in battle, but really murdered by King David's order. So Joab sends word back to King David, hey, we took a lot of losses today. Uh, it was a hard battle. And oh, by the way, uh, your servant Uriah was one of the ones killed. And David's reaction was so horrible um, because when the messenger told him that, gave him that message from Joab, David said, well, you know, people die in battle. What are you going to do? It was something like that. It's horrible. So after Bathsheba went through the period of mourning for her husband, David married her and thought that everything was great. And then the prophet Nathan, good old preacher, <laughs> preachers get the worst jobs. Uh, Nathan is called upon to go to King David and he tells this amazing story of a, of a man who had one little ewe lamb that he loved and treated like a member of the family. Um, you know, and uh, his neighbor was very wealthy, had all kinds of livestock. But when he had unexpected company, this rich man went and got uh, his neighbor's uh, little lamb that was a part of their family and and killed it so he could feed his neighbors, his uh, big guests. And when David heard that, he was so angry and he said, that man should, should be put to death. And Nathan points a scrawly finger at him, I believe, and he says, you are the man. And that's exactly what David had done. He had taken Uriah's wife Bathsheba, and even though he could have any woman in the kingdom, he took Uriah's wife and uh, and killed him when he would not... Uh, tried to uh, sleep with his wife so that perhaps everyone would think that, hey, this is Uriah's baby. But David knew it wasn't. Nathan knew it wasn't. God knew it wasn't. But to David's credit, uh, when Nathan tells him, you are the man, you have sinned against God, David pours his heart out to God for forgiveness. And, um, and that, that prayer of repentance is found in Psalm 51, and that's where we are uh, today. If you've ever had a horrible, horrible sin, and we all have, that you just were so ashamed and you couldn't find the words to go to God in prayer because you were so ashamed, then pray Psalm 51. Pray Psalm 51. Um, so it starts this way. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Notice David doesn't even pretend that 
He doesn't have sins. He doesn't say, Lord, if there are any sins in my life, I pray. He doesn't go there at all. He just cries out for God's mercy and God's compassion and God's forgiveness. Verse 2, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. It, it was never far away from David's mind what he had done. Verse 4, this is powerful. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. And yes, I realize we could say David sinned against Bathsheba. We could say David sinned against Uriah, her husband. We could say David sinned against the nation who had entrusted him to be their leader. But David knew that ultimately his sin was against God, and he recognized that and he confessed that. Um, uh, Nathan the prophet comes to him and, and David's confession against you and you only have I sinned. And the, um, the Kellers bring out this point. How can he say that when he had killed someone? And it, he said it's because sin is like treason. If you try to overthrow your own country, you may harm or kill individuals in the process. But you will be tried for treason because you have betrayed the entire country that nurtured you. So every sin is cosmic treason, they say. It is overthrowing the rule of the one to whom you owe everything. I've heard it described as the sin of the high and uplifted hand. It's when we look up to God and we say, I don't care what you want. I'm going to do what I want. That's what David did. That's what we do when we sin, when we look at God's word and we know what it says and, and we know what we're about to do is wrong or we know that the right thing that we need to do, we're not doing. Um, it's that sin of the high and uplifted hand. It's the sin of treason. It's basically telling God, I'm jerking you off the throne and putting myself on it instead. Um, and we know that it, um, it breaks God's law, and we also know that it breaks God's heart. And uh, David continues in Psalm 51, verse 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. I don't think that means that uh, we all have the same sin of David or of Adam because we are human. I do believe that what David is saying there, similarly to what Psalm 139 says, is that there's not a single one of us that's that hasn't given ourselves over to sin. And, and I think that's what David is saying here. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. How important is it that we protect life in the womb? I think David would say it's absolutely essential, just like we protect life outside of the womb. Cleanse me with hyssop, kind of like a soap, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Again, David clearly, clearly acknowledges his sin and cries out for God's cleansing. He knows that only God can cleanse him and bring that forgiveness. Um, and, uh, and we understand that sin uh, creates a record. This is what the Kellers say. A criminal's record can be wiped clean only if they pay the penalty. But in this case, God paid the penalty for us. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone uh, to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. That's a great little kid's song, but it's also in our songbooks as a hymn, and we sing it every so often. He paid a debt. 
Psalm 51 continues, and I love these words starting in verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. There are several songs that come to mind. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let me be like you in all my ways. That great song from acapella years and years ago. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Another great song from these same exact words. Um, and, and there's just so many others that are there. But I want us to think about God cleansing our hearts and us wanting God to cleanse our hearts. Not just to uh, make right the wrong, but to create in us a clean and pure heart. David was so concerned he did not want that Holy Spirit to be taken from him. He wanted that pure, steadfast Holy Spirit to continue in him. And, G and David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uh, the joy had gone from David's life. Remember, David is one who wrote all those wonderful songs of praise about how, how wonderful God is and how blessed David felt him, he was. But that joy was gone because of this great sin that Satan had used to put a wall up between David and his God that he had been so close to. David, the one who wrote that great shepherd psalm, the 23rd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that great, great psalm, David clearly now was feeling the pain of his sin. And he says, verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Um, David knew that because of this great sin, and is it not true in our lives as well? Have you not experienced that? When you have this sin that's holding you back, it not only holds you back from feeling that deep sense of joy that comes through Jesus Christ, but it also holds us back from sharing his word. And we feel like that we're un unworthy, that we uh, have to get our lives together before we can put in a good word for Jesus. And I realize we'll never be perfect, but I also realize that if there's something like that in our lives, if there's something like that in your life, then, then get it straight. Go to God. Pray this prayer to God. Make it right because God wants you and needs you. The church certainly needs you to fulfill the mission that God has for you. Uh, David wants God to create a clean heart in him so that the joy that he has in his life can be restored and so that he once again can share that message with others and teach God's word to others. Uh, verses 14 through 19 now, Psalm 51. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. Boy, that was exactly true in David's life. You who are God, my Savior, David says. He knew the only one who could save him was the one against whom he had sinned. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. David was ready to sing praises to God for the forgiveness that he knew God would bring when he truly repented. And now note verse 16. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. We talked last Thursday from Psalm 50 that shared the same thing, how our sacrifices, our acts of worship, our good deeds, they can't take away our sin. It's the right thing for us to do. 
God wants us to do that. Other people need us to do those things, but they don't take away our sin. Only God's forgiveness can take away our sin. And that comes for us only through the blood of Christ. David knew that there was no sacrifice he could offer, no lamb, no calf, no nothing that he could bring to God that would make up for the sin he had committed. And so he gave God all he could bring him, a broken and contrite heart. He said, you, O God, will not despise. He brought God his broken spirit. Renew a whole spirit within me, he prayed. And so he, broke, he brought God the broken spirit that was broken and contrite because of his own sin. What an incredible statement. Verse 18, may it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Again, David is not saying I'll never sacrifice again because that doesn't work. That doesn't bring forgiveness. He's saying, oh, I'll do that, but I've got to get my heart right here for a moment. I've got to come to God. I've got to seek his forgiveness, bring him my broken heart, my contrite heart, my broken spirit, and he'll bring that forgiveness. I don't think anyone should stay away from church because they have sins. I, th I think that's the whole reason we come, so that we can pour our broken and contrite heart out before the Lord, just like David did, so that we can receive the encouragement of other Christians as we gather together to praise and worship our God, and so that we can give them our encouragement as well. I think that's the purpose of the assembly. And we come with broken hearts, and we come and we leave with hearts that are made whole, uh, hearts that are created clean once again because of the saving and forgiving uh, act of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross uh, for our sins. You know, the great thing about this story is that God did forgive David, and he forgave him from the sense of, we know that because of Psalm 32. We looked at Psalm 32 a while back, and I hope that you'll read that one again after you read the Psalm 51 because in Psalm 32, David acknowledges the forgiveness that God had given him. Uh, it starts out with, blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. <laughs> Not blessed are those who have never sinned. David knew that that wasn't him. But he also knew that in spite of his sin against God, as he had said, God had forgiven. God had created in him a clean and pure heart. And David had seen that broken and contrite spirit made whole again. Amazing God that we serve. We sing about his amazing grace. And it's seen so much in the life of David, also in the life of Bathsheba. Because when you read Matthew chapter 1 and you read the genealogy of Jesus, back there in his ancestry, you know he was the son of David. But David had several wives. Uh, Jesus could have been descended from any one of them. But guess who was his ancestral mother it was Bathsheba David and Bathsheba had another son after the son that was conceived died and later on the son that they had was named Solomon and Solomon took over as king for his father David and also took over as the ancestor of Jesus Christ the Savior what a great and wonderful thing that God would put David and Bathsheba in the line of his son um, as ancestors of the Savior. In spite of David's great sin, still he's there with Bathsheba as his wife and the mother of his child, King Solomon, and who would one day 
be an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Whatever you've got that's holding you back from serving the Lord, from rejoicing with that joyful heart, from putting in that good word for Jesus, from um, realizing that you've experienced the forgiveness that comes from our great and gracious God. Pray this prayer in Psalm 51. Seek, cry out to God to create in you a clean and pure heart. Acknowledge to God that your sin is is against him and him only. And and pray for that forgiveness. And and promise that that you'll be faithful. Not perfect, not sinless, but you'll get back on that path. And you'll seek to lead others to be on that same path of faithfulness. Seeking God's forgiveness through repentance when we sin. And receiving that forgiveness and continuing to share his love and word with others. Let's close with prayer. Father, create in us a clean heart. We acknowledge our sin before you. We have sinned terrible sins. And we know, Father, that in your, in your holiness, in your sinlessness, in your righteousness, there is no such thing as good and bad sins. They're all bad. They're all evil. They all separate us from you, our God, our holy God. And so, Father, our sins are no better than David's sins. Our, our lives are, are no more holy, no more righteous, because we too, as Romans 3 says, we too have sinned and fall short of your great glory. So, Father, we come to you with the words of King David, with a broken and contrite heart. We come to you seeking your forgiveness. We come to you asking you, Father, to not take your Holy Spirit from us. We come to you asking you, Father, to create in us a clean heart, a pure spirit, so that once again our lips will sing your praises, our heart will sense your joy, and others, Father, will look upon our lives and will hear of your love and your word through our actions, through our joy, through our penitence, and through our words. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. May you have a wonderful weekend. May you be close to God. And if you need help considering your sinfulness and God's plan of salvation and God's desire to bring that forgiveness and you want to reach out to somebody, please reach out to me. You can send me a Facebook message. I'll be glad to contact you back. I pray God's richest blessings on you.